Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Dempko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. Uh, you know, when you think of archery and bow hunting, there's a few names in the industry that are just uh, synonymous with the sport. Uh, Easton is absolutely one of them. You know, archers, bow hunters worldwide shoot Easton arrows, uh, but the organization also has an incredibly rich history dating all the way back to the early 1920s in uh, California. A lot of people uh, may not know the history of Easton. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be joined here today by Gary Cornum, uh, who is the uh, Director of Marketing for Easton. Gary and I actually shared a hunt in Florida for hogs last year. Great experience. Um, got to shoot some of Easton's uh, incredible uh, arrows and things last year. But um, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I love I loved, uh, talking about archery and to have this opportunity to discuss uh, all these things that we love so much with you is a real pleasure. Uh, yeah, thank you. And, and I've been shooting uh, Eastern Arrow since uh, I started bow hunting in the late uh, 80s. And, uh, the uh, incredible XX75, the uh, aluminum shafts, um, incredible product. And, uh, you know, but you have obviously grown a lot since then. And we're going to get into that later in the conversation. But let's start at the very beginning, uh, back in California in the early 1920s. Uh, tell us a little bit about how Easton actually got started. It's a pretty amazing story. It is a really amazing story. There was a, a young man, Doug Easton, who loved to get out and hunt. And, you know, back then, uh, California was very rural uh, and they they would get out a lot. Um, and he, and archery, bow, and especially bow hunting, really wasn't a thing uh, back then. Um, and so uh, he had this interesting experience, though, and I'll I'll just kind of I'll kind of paraphrase it all. Uh, but they uh, he was hunting one day, and after they were done, there was an accident with a shotgun. I think it was left against a car, fell and went off, and actually hit Doug Easton in the legs. And um, fortunately, the the uh, he he didn't lose his leg or anything like that. But he was laid up for quite a while. And uh, and while he was uh, while he was in the hospital recovering from this accident, a friend gave him a a book by Saxon Pope about archery. And we all know Pope and Young, and so we know about you know Pope and Young, the the famous uh, archers from the early 1900s that end up you know getting our record books named after them. There's early pioneers in in archery and bow hunting. Well. Um, he read this book and uh, became uh, somewhat obsessed with what he read. He really liked it, you know, fascinated by by the bow and arrow and and shooting one. So when he was sufficiently recovered, he took what he learned from this book and started making his own equipment. And back then it was made of out of cedar and yew and other types of wood uh, based on the instruction that he got out of this book. And so... Uh, he was he, he became pretty good at it, made a few, made some arrows, made some uh, made a log bow. And then uh, one day he was shooting. Uh, he's recovered now and he's out in the park uh, shooting in California at targets. And uh, a man came up to him and he said, oh, wow, look at this equipment you've made. This is really great craftsmanship. Uh, 
where did you learn to make this? And he said, well, I was reading a book by Dr. Saxon Pope. And, um, and that's how I learned how to make this. And the man then introduced himself as Saxon Pope. And um, it was like this, this crazy coincidence. And, um, and anyway, that is a, it's, he was, Doug was energized by this author of this book, uh, complimenting his equipment. And he was just that kind of, he was a tinker, he was an inventor, he was that kind of mind. So he then, that kind of launched him into making archery equipment, began selling it. And that was 100 years ago, 1922. That all happened uh, with him starting that business back in 1922. So Easton, and I'm excited to report, Easton is 100 years old this year. We're still made in USA. We still have that passion of Doug Easton continually improving his equipment. And as, as that story goes, you know, some 20 years later, he invented the aluminum arrow when he became frustrated with the accuracy of wood. And then from there, he, um, you know, he, he pioneered newer things, XX75s, like you mentioned. And then from there, we moved into carbon and then hybrid shafts now with aluminum carbon combined. But it was that original passion of of Doug Easton in the early 1900s that kind of still runs in our DNA today. And that's, and that's where we're at, but we're still made in USA after all this time. And uh, we're passionate about keeping things here. And, and we're also passionate about archery because, you know, we love those heart pounding moments out in the field or out in the Olympics, wherever, wherever our products are being used. And so we're driven to make the kind of products that give us those heart pounding moments. Yeah. And, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, you started out in the very early days uh, with Doug making the arrows by himself. Uh, I think in the late uh, 20s, he opened up an archery shop in Los Angeles. Uh, today, you have a, a world class manufacturing facility in Utah. Um, you produce uh, arrows and bolts as well that are shipped around the world, used by competition archers, bow hunters, recreational shooters. And, you know, you've obviously had a lot of first or innovations in the industry. I think you had the first screw in point system. Um, we talked about the aluminum arrows a couple of times, the, the aluminum carbon hybrids. Um, but uh, how many arrows and bolts do you produce in a given year? Do you have a ballpark number? You know, I have not. It's been the millions. I can say that for sure. I haven't looked. I'll have to check with our production manager at some point because I haven't looked at that for, for quite a while. But it's some, um, you know, number of millions and millions of arrows and that you know what's kind of neat is i sit here in my office and right behind this wall behind me are those those machines running right now and if i if i get real quiet i can you know stop what i'm doing i can hear the hum of those and i can hear that product going through and uh you like you said we have this facility in utah we have facilities in indiana where we flesh and ship uh we have we make we make targets out in iowa so we're very much committed to making it products in the USA that get used in the USA. And like you said, we, we ship all over the world. Uh, those Olympic medals that have been won uh, since 1972 in archery are made here. And what's kind of neat about that, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are bow hunters and, and, they're, and, and a lot of them don't know that, you know, the Olympics are won with decent arrows. But what's neat about that for the bow hunter is that we take what an archer needs to win the Olympics at 70 meters. 90 meters and we we take those technologies and we go hey you know what these small diameters that work really well outdoor in the wind for an olympic archer 
would be really good for a bow hunter shooting in the wind, or it would add penetration, you know? And so we, we take what we learned by developing these other products and we apply them to the other products that we make for other faculties in archery. And we end up with some really great stuff. And, and, um, and so we're, it gives us this, we, we make a, we make a, a shaft for any archer from, you know, a small beginner all the way up to the Olympic podium and then all the bow hunters in between. So, and we're happy to do it right here in the U S we're just so thrilled that we can do it. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, uh, you're probably the most comprehensive arrow manufacturer in the world. And you touched a little bit on that. What's an excellent example of one of the um, things you focused on for competition archery, maybe long range shooting that you didn't did bring into the bow hunting world. I know you talked a little bit about uh, um, distance shooting and uh, micro diameters and things like that. But what really stands out or jumps out to you when I ask that question? Well, what jumps out to me is uh, so for for a shooter like that, they need obviously a highest level of accuracy, and and really the the mix for accuracy is you need your arrows to weigh the same. You need them to be spine consistent. And most of the listeners know that that means that the arrows are stiff all the way around the shaft, that the same uniform stiffness. That was, that was really what, what got Doug Easton, you know, to, to seek materials outside of wood, because you can imagine what the wood grain does to that, that factor uh, in accuracy. And then, so then, then lastly, these diameters, like the small diameter, Wind, when you're shooting the Olympics at that kind of distance, wind has a huge, crosswind has a huge effect on, on that arrow. So the act for the accuracy, what we found it works really well is by combining materials. So we'll take aluminum and carbon and put them together. Uh, they both have different attributes. All carbon arrows are great. All aluminum arrows are great. Uh, carbon is really lightweight, strong. Aluminum is really accurate consistent and so you go okay lightweight strong accurate consistent um you know it, it, then you kind of marry those two together and you sort of get the best of all worlds right you get a lightweight product that's strong but it has that accuracy aspect of the aluminum uh for hunting you're going to get great accuracy which we know is important for just shooting broadheads and everything else that we're doing Small diameter is really great for hunting too, because one, we do shoot in crosswinds when we're hunting. We want to we want to hit you know where we're aiming at. Obviously, we don't want that to blow the wind to blow that off target. But once it impacts the target, that small diameter reduces the friction going through. So we get we get deeper penetration, a benefit that the bow hunters enjoy. That really isn't something that the target archers need, obviously. But um, so what we learned by using marrying those materials together for the world's top shooters, we took and said, hey, wow, an FMJ, this is really good for, um, you know, for bow hunting. We'll take aluminum and marry it to the carbon. We'll get the lightweight strength backbone of that carbon. We'll get the accuracy of the aluminum. And lo and behold, we got, you know, we got a great hunting arrow just for that reason alone, uh, marrying those two together and then all the other benefits of small diameter that come along with that as well so things that we learn in that in that high upper echelon of archery really does a great job for us in developing products for, for bow hunting as well no absolutely and you mentioned the fmj uh you know a lot of bow hunters want to know what's new and they're always looking to upgrade their arrows find out about new technologies uh what have you uh, released for this year? I know one's a very special FMJ. You want to talk a little bit about that? 
Oh yeah, that's great. Well, uh, for this year, we have yeah, we have a couple really new exciting products. Uh, the one you're referring to is we did. Um, you mentioned your XX75s that you started shooting uh, that we introduced, gosh, back in I think the 1960s. We had one in the line for a very long time. We call that the Autumn Orange. Uh, we ran it as a limited edition FMJ Full Metal Jacket Arrow about four or five years ago. Huge response to it. People like the nostalgia coupled with the modern arrow that that is that platform, the FMJ. Uh, really, the flagship arrow in the bow hunting industry um, for a whole myriad of reasons. But um, then, for a hundred years, then we discontinued that. This is about four years ago or so, and we've had a lot of requests for it since then. But we thought, hey, for our hundred anniversary, let's do a, an FMJ again in autumn orange. This time. We'll, We'll do it at five millimeter. The first time around, we did it at six millimeter, but our, our five millimeter FMJ is kind of our mainstay. So we did it, we put a commemorative band on it and we, we uh, did some graphics that kind of are old school looking, nostalgia looking graphics uh, for that product. And we'll run that on at least throughout this year. So uh, people that didn't get their hands on those, those autumn orange FMJs, the first go around now have that opportunity again. Uh, this time it'll have our, our hundred anniversary uh, commemorative band on it as a limited edition. And uh, that's exciting. And, um, you know, I, I get me a set of those all ready to go for hunting season because, uh, you know, I love that auto, auto orange shaft as well. We also have a, uh, we have a new all carbon arrow. We call it the Sonic. The Sonic 6.0 is a six millimeter all carbon, but it's the lightest weight honey shaft we've ever put in our line so it allows it allows hunters to do a couple of things guys that want lots of speed out of their bow they can use it for that there's a lot of people though that are trying to increase foc for accuracy um, when you do that you put a lot of point weight up front you use brass inserts you use heavier points things like that if you have a shaft that's not really lightweight it you can end up with an arrow that's kind of heavy if you're not careful uh, trying to get your FOC up there. So if you start with a lightweight shaft platform like this new Sonic 6.0, you can put a brass insert in it and a, a heavier point, get a lot of FOC, but your overall arrow weight isn't too excessive. So that uh, gives you some real options on how you set up that new Sonic 6.0. So those are two really, really great products that we're excited about that we've, we've rolled out uh, for this year. Yeah, now when you're talking about the uh, autumn orange FMJ, talk a little bit about that um, aluminum carbon makeup, why that's so important for the makeup of the arrow uh, flight and penetration. Yeah, so the FMJ we introduced back in 2006. And, uh, and we, um, I really feel like that arrow has just come of age over the last five or six years. It, it came out to a great reception. It's always been uh, a real popular product for us, but a, a three, four or five, six years ago, all of a sudden it just really started to take off. And I think, I think the market really started to figure out what it was and what it does. And, uh, and we've, we've proliferated that line. We've got them in five millimeter. We've got them in four millimeter. We've made them in crossbow. Uh, we have one a dangerous game for guys that you know, want to go to Alaska or Africa. It's a, it's got a real heavy, heavy carbon core. You know, Buffalo or something like that. They've, they've got an option there, but what we did is um, it kind of like what I was alluding to before the attributes of carbon really lightweight and strong. 
making a very consistent carbon arrow for, for really any anywhere in the world that they're made um, is 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 uh, it's not really difficult, but it the attributes of it holding consistency on carbons a lot different than aluminum. Aluminum is it comes off the machine just precise. Uh, carbon, you have to really watch your uh, the way you produce that. We produce ours here with a continuous wind. What that does for us is it makes it so that's a seamless carbon arrow. And um, so it's not wrapped, it's not a flat piece of carbon that's wrapped over itself like they make overseas. Ours is a, a machine that's here in Utah that is a continuous wind. What that does is it makes it extremely accurate for, you know, for being carbon. So the aluminum, what it does is a few things. We put it on the outside for hunting. On the target side, we put the we put the aluminum on the inside. And uh, for hunting, though, we thought, hey, let's put the aluminum on the outside of the sh of the shaft. It gives you that slick surface for a couple of reasons. One, that'll add penetration. Another is when you're practicing in those foam targets in the backyard to get get ready to go out hunting, they pull a lot easier, a whole lot easier. So you get that kind of side benefit. But what I like to describe it as, you got a you got a strong carbon backbone. It's the backbone that holds that arrow, makes it strong. It's a lightweight, it's a lightweight backbone because it's carbon. Aluminum adds that level of precision that we've been talking about, but and then it also adds that that surface. So of uh, you know friction, a friction reduction. So the two the two materials are very different, but when you when they Put them together you they work in concert with you, with each other and then you kind of get the best of, of all worlds working together and so really if you look at the price of, of an fmj arrow everything that went into it that i just described they're really not they're really a great value because a high-end carbon arrow about the same price or even in some cases less and uh and there's guys that want to pull out all the stops we have that four millimeter fmj that's ultra micro and uh you know or the top shooters picked that one up. So somebody that really wants to pull out all the stops in penetration and performance, the four millimeter, which we pulled out, we we introduced that last year, uh, all redesigned for last year. And that one's been super popular as well. So uh, just having those two materials together, working together just makes it a phenomenal uh, product that I consider really the flagship of the hunting industry. And, and listening to you, it's amazing to hear about the technology that goes into the arrow build, the composition, the makeup. Um, you know, when people think, okay, I'm going to get some new arrows, uh, they don't realize you might actually be working on this for quite a long time before you unveil a new line of arrows. Like, uh, how long does it take you from that concept process to testing until you come out with a new arrow? Well, we, uh, we're we constantly doing skunk, skunk works here. Um, always, always trying new things, looking at new materials. Uh, and our, our engineering team's right here in this building with me and uh, product development. And um, so we're working on those things in the background. Uh, if, we, if we are decide, hey, here's a new material, here's a new process, a new diameter, whatever it is we might have, usually within this time of year, early in the year, we'll come up with that, we'll decide we're gonna do it. And then by November, we usually are, we have them ready to go, if not already shipping. So right around, there's a lot of foundational work that goes into new products though. So I can't say, you know, we're doing it in less than a year necessarily because we're working on things all the time. 
but we taking those ideas that we're working on once we decide, hey, here's the product, here's what it's going to be, here's what it's what we want it to do. I'd say for men, we, you know, we're looking at somewhere, you know, in that, you know, nine to twelve month range, kind of like having a baby. <laughs> and then. Yeah. At the start of the new year or shortly after, there's the birth and the products out in the market. Good, great <laughs> analogy. You mentioned when we were talking about the the Sonic 6.0. You uh, talked a little bit about FOC. What are your thoughts on FOC? Uh, when you think about maybe whitetail hunters here on the East Coast, I live in Pennsylvania, uh, you live in Utah. That may not be so crucial to pay attention to that. But if you're hunting Western big game, uh, if you might be elk hunting or mule deer, you, you really need to have a great workup with your arrow. Talk a little bit about that, where you think that sweet spot might be and things like that. Yeah, it's a great contrast. Uh, you know, our versatility is one thing that we really like about our product. Uh, I, you know, if I get on the phone with somebody and they want to do, you know, fill in the blank, I can come up with a great setup in the Eastern line that'll cover it. So, you know, if you're looking at, like you brought up the Sonic, for example, it's a very versatile arrow in that uh, we have a lightweight shaft. Some, some guys, and I let the, I let the bow hunters be their own expert. I usually, I'll, I'll, I can try to steer them to what my experience says, and as you do, I'm sure when you talk to people, but I also take input from from others that are out there. Uh, you know, experience is probably our best teacher when it comes to archery. Uh, on the lightweight side, uh, there's times when a, uh, a very fast arrow is is the, just the ticket. You know, I mean, you're shooting 3Ds, fast arrows the way to go. Uh, in certain situations, I think a fast arrow. Uh, you know, I got a pronghorn here behind me. You know, they're um, they're not really hard to bring down in terms of thick hide, a lot of bone, that kind of thing. Fast arrow might be just the ticket for, for something like that problem. Uh, FOC, what, what, what that, uh, a lot of experimentation has been going on with that in, among the archery community over the last few years. Uh, what we discovered early on back in the Doug and Jim Easton days, uh, by the way, our company's still family-owned. We're in third generation now with Greg Easton. I should mention that um, with Greg Easton at the helm now. Uh, but uh, digress a little bit. But that FOC uh, we found early on, uh, what that really means is you have more weight up front on your arrow uh, that lends itself to a more accurate setup. And the analogy I like to use is Imagine if you took a string and you tied it to, you know, a baseball or a rock and, and, and thinking of the baseball or the rock as sort of your front weight and the, and the string being the arrow shaft. When you throw that rock, that string is going to follow the trajectory of that rock. And it's not the, the string or any drag you have on the string is not going to really affect where that rock decides it wants to go. That's sort of the concept there. Um, it's a little bit of a crude analogy, but you get the idea. And that's what FOC really is, front and center balance. So that, that weight out front is kind of taking that projectile and leading it down the road to, to, to the target. And so guys have increased that a little bit. And I think they're finding that they're getting that accuracy enhancement, but they're also finding that they penetrate really well. And I think that's just a function of adding adding some more weight to the setup and uh, and getting more kinetic energy. So 
that's that's the other kind of you, you talk about the whitetail versus the western. Uh, that's the other thing that I I think is is really important to recognize too is that you know you there's a trade off there between you know your your bow delivering that energy stored energy to a heavier projectile versus to a lighter one. You're going to have a little bit more bow noise when you have a lighter weight arrow. Uh, you're going to take more kinetic energy to the target with a little bit heavier arrow. I think that's why the FMJ has been so popular it pulls a lot of kinetic energy out of those bow limbs and delivers it downrange. Um, so there's your kind of your trade-offs. And then the FOC is kind of part of that mix too, in terms of, of accuracy and, and tinkerers and gear guys that like to play around their gear. They like to get out and they like to tinker with these things. You know, I'm going to try more FOC. I'm going to try a lighter weight arrow. I'm going to try a heavier arrow. That's part of the fun of archery, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same when you start to talk about broadheads and any of the other um, primary components of the archery hunting experience. So uh, now, uh, what are you seeing from bow hunters in general? What are the trends right now? Where are you seeing high demand for uh, arrows? Uh, FMJ, like I said, have really kind of come of age uh, in the last four or five years. We're seeing a lot of increases in that category, and we're looking at new products in that category as well. Um, it's really, I've used, you know, I, obviously I could use any arrow we make. I want I just, I'll walk out in the plant and steal some from my, my production manager. If he's, if he's looking the other way, but I love the FMJ. It seems like uh, I'm half kidding, but, um, I just love, I love shooting those. I like the kinetic energy they deliver. And, and I think the market is kind of recognizing that, uh, I love my access arrows. They're all, all carbon. You know, it's a great blend of speed and kinetic energy. Uh, so, you know, I, I think on the, on the, if I'm out shooting three Ds, I'll pick up a really lightweight carbon, like our supervisor or even a Sonic for that matter. But um, uh, so it kind of depends on what I, what, what I'm doing, but uh, I, it's funny. I keep circling back to that FMJ, but we're uh, Axis is, uh, you know, we brought out the Axis two years before the FMJ as kind of the, a revolutionary concept in small diameter carbon hunting arrows and uh it's it's more popular than it's ever been last year we you know we were shipping all the axes we could make just because it's really it was just really on fire and uh, we had that new four millimeter axis introduction as well and i think that that was another one that the market really got excited about and uh and it's a real fun arrow to shoot as well so that's uh I should mention that one. It's still fairly new in the line. The axis, we call it the axis long range. It's four millimeters, so it's smaller than the other axis at five. And it uh, it's a lighter weight platform. So it's set up kind of like we've been talking about with the Sonic. You can do some FOC uh, enhancements with that that particular shaft. Um, and it's, it's a great all-carbon arrow if you're looking to take a carbon arrow and pull out all the stops as well. So those are the... Those are the two that are really kind of emerged as super popular. And then there's a lot of early interest on that new Sonic introduction as well. Um, yeah. And then you're talking a little bit here about the, the micro diameters, uh, the one you just mentioned, obviously that's uh, really designed to um, lessen the uh, impact that the wind has on it. And obviously still keep penetration when you're shooting the longer distances. Oh, definitely. The, uh, the, the, uh, the, the the wind resistance the that uh, when you you know when you put a four millimeter arrow out there um, you're getting really close to 
the diameter of what somebody was shooting the Olympics at 70 meters or 90 meters. And um, so you're, you know, it's really, like I said, it's really like pulling out all the stops when you're, uh, when you're say, getting ready to set up a hunting arrow. And um, I, you know, we put it out there and I, I was, I, I thought it was a great arrow and I, I was really excited about it, but the market really <laughs> almost surprised me. They were like, they loved it. You know, they put their arms around it and said, Hey, this is great. Yeah. Well, and thank you for that. And obviously we've been talking a lot about bow hunting, bow hunters. Um, anything new this year from the competition side, as far as new arrows, anything new for those? Yeah, uh, we, uh, we actually, yeah, we do have one. It's, um, we have a, we have a, uh, brand new, uh, it's a suit it's in that super dry family. So we, we, we've been, uh, marketing on the target side, particularly for all carbon arrows, under uh, uh you know, we have the axis category we have the fmj category this category is called the super drive and it's called the super drive micro it's an all carbon arrow for long distance outdoor shooting uh similar to our x10s and our aces but in an all carbon platform and we just rolled that out this year as well um for to the market so it adds to that super drive line super drive line is kind of cool because You've got everything from a 27 diameter, that's 2764s. They're um, used very commonly indoors. Indoor shooters like a very, very large arrow. There's no wind to contend with. They use that line cutter to uh, get a few extra points on their score with that large diameter arrow. So we have it from a 27 diameter, the next one down the 25 diameter, then we have a 23. We have, um, and then we have a 19 and also a uh, also this new micro. So once you cross into that micro category, you're looking at outdoor shooting at that point because the outdoor shooters do care about diameter and they want it, they want that smaller diameter as well. Uh, one thing I should mention too on on diameter, you know, we've talked about wind drift, we've talked about penetration, and this applies to target archery as well. Is that uh, the smaller diameters actually have less friction flying through the air, so another benefit is they carry more of their velocity downrange and that's important for target shooters as well to get those arrows downrange um it helps in the wind for both target and for hunting as well so that 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 new super drive micro is really a uh, exciting product for us as well also made right here thank you uh now you also make maybe a lot of people may not know but you also make bolts for crossbows uh have you come out with anything new recently or are you planning anything for later this year we are, uh, we're looking at that crossbow market. We don't have a new one this year. We have the nine millimeters, kind of our mainstay. Uh, we also do uh, a lot of uh, crossbow bolts for the crossbow manufacturers that we make here as well uh, that are sold under their brand name. But uh, we are, uh, we recognize the popularity of the crossbow market uh, and its, uh, its growth. And so our product development team is looking at what we can do in that regard as well. Uh, Crossbow is a little bit different with um, just different platforms, different knocks, different. So it's, it's not it's not quite as easy to go to market with a new product on the crossbow side. Uh, universal arrows like we were used to on vertical bows just aren't aren't as it doesn't transfer quite as easily. So there's a little bit more. Uh, logistical R&D that needs to have happen to, to bring out crossbow uh, products, but uh, certainly that's a 
very popular faculty in archery and uh, one that we're you know happy to be playing. And that's great to hear. And obviously, yeah, when you talk about all the different crossbow manufacturers, uh, you're seeing a lot of the manufacturers now come out with different setups for the bows and that includes the arrows and knocks and things like that. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Are you planning any hunts for this year? Where are you looking to head? Yeah, I'm, my my dance card is getting filled up here pretty quick. Um, in the spring, we're going to do, I always do, you know, you and I went on a hog hunt. And what I love about that hunt is that there's no pressure. There's no pressure to fill an expensive tag. Uh, there's, you know, it's, it's very relaxing. If you just want to get out, you know, it's one thing you can go out and shoot stumps. You can go out and shoot uh, 3d targets. That's all fun. And I love it, but there's something about shooting a live target and to go out there and do it without any pressure, uh, without a huge expenditure in terms of time, you know, tags or outfit or fees or whatever it might be. Uh, I love hog hunting. So we'll do that uh, coming up. I usually try to get out twice a year and at least and, and do that, help those ranchers out a little bit by culling off some of those hogs for them. And then, uh, and then we'll do Turkey in the spring. I'm looking at uh, trying to get back into Canada uh, for, a, for a spring bear. We got that on the calendar. Uh, I'm excited to do that because there hasn't been a lot of hunters in Canada over the last couple of years at least from the United States. So I'm thinking maybe the, maybe we'll get lucky and the bears will be bigger and um, they haven't been pressured as much. So there's, I think an opportunity there provided we can get across the border, uh, get up there and do that in Alberta. And then uh, I'll hit on the Western side, uh, meal there, we got elk on the, on the table here in Utah. Uh, I'm gonna try something I haven't done before, uh, hunting whitetail in the velvet in Wyoming. And then something late season, probably uh, Illinois, or I've got a, uh, a possibility for a late season, uh, whitetail in Oklahoma and possibly Florida. So uh, yeah, that's kind of gonna round out my season and uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to all of it because, you know, like I said before, those hard pounding moments are why we make the products we make. And I love that, I love that feeling. So I get out whenever I possibly can. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. You mentioned the hog hunting. The nice thing about that is you can go almost any time of the year is good. Not every single day, but uh, most of the year you can get out and have a great experience. Now, when you head up to uh, Alberta, uh, are you looking at a color phase bear? Do you have anything in mind as far as what you'd like to get there? Or? I, I've shot bears and uh, I shot a couple of color phase. Um, and I really, um, I love, I love, I love the bear. Every hunt sort of different. It has its own personality, right? You, with bear hunting, you're it's kind of a relaxing hunt, and you know you're generally going out in the afternoon, and you know you're maybe fishing in the morning or something like that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's a real relaxing. It's a really relaxing, fun thing to do. Uh, yeah, I I'd kind of like to shoot something exceptional. Um, you know, having having shot a bunch of bears, and uh, you know, I, you know, if something exceptional happened, that'd be great. Uh, but just being out there, if, even if I didn't film film my tag, I'm I just love being outside with my bow. And so, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if a big bear walks by me and I get lucky, that'll be great. But if not, I'm going to have a good time no matter what. Well, best of luck when you go on that experience and, uh, um, you know, it leads into the next question. What's your current bow hunting setup? What bow are you using? Obviously, what, what are you using in the Eastern line? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so I've got the boy arch five, um, and, uh, it's funny. I, I, I got a, this is a kind of an interesting story. I got a, I got that uh, 
that Hoyt uh, and hunted with it last fall. Uh, and I, I wasn't intending on hunting with it. We do a lot of photography for marketing. And, uh, and what I'll generally do is I'll, I'll get a bow and I'll, it'll be my bow, but I'll take it out on photo shoots and we'll give it to, you know, say we get, we'll get a bow hunter to, you know, be kind of our sort sort of like our model to, you know, and we'll, we'll take pictures of Easton arrows. We'll have him draw the bow and do different things to get those, get those photos for our marketing activities, websites, and other things, social media. And I, so I thought this year, I thought I'm going to get a 50 pound bow. Usually I shoot a 60 pound bow. Uh, I don't, I don't try to shoot the most weight I can. Today's bows are so efficient. I can get plenty of speed out of a 60 pound bow. Uh, but I like to be able to draw it comfortably when I'm a little cold in the tree stand, that kind of thing. So I, I've never, I've lost 10 years or so. I've just always got a 60 pound bow. Well, I thought, you know what, for these photo shoots, I'll, I'll get a 50 pound bow and I'll just hunt with my previous bow with my, mm-hmm. with my hyperforce for, um, at 60 pounds. Well, I got this 50 pound bow. And then what that allows us to do is if we're on a photo shoot, whoever's, whoever's drawing the bow can hold that bow a lot longer. You know, we always do it safely with the bow pointed down range and all that, but um, it allows that whoever's, whoever's the subject is that we're photographing to hold that bow for longer while we take the pictures. And, and so I thought, and then I got, I was out on a white tail hunt and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this 50 pound bow. <laughs> And I, I got shooting it out on the 3D range, and I thought, "Wow, I really like this. You know, it draws so comfortably. I'm getting more speed than I thought I would, and I feel like I've got, you know, plenty of everything I need." So I started hunting with that bow. So that that's a little bit unique. And I'm, I've got, um, I'm shooting Axis this year, uh, just straight up five millimeter uh, Axis arrows. Uh, I hadn't shot them for a while, and I just, with how popular they were last year, I thought I'm going to sh- get out and shoot Axis and. Um, kind of join up with what everybody's, you know, wanting to get from Easton and, and be part of that. So um, that's going to be my setup. Very nice. Last question I have for you, uh, put you on the spot here a little bit. You can only shoot one arrow the rest of your life. What Easton arrow is it going to be? It's going to be a five millimeter FMJ. Awesome. Hey, uh, you know, Gary, thank you. Congratulations on the 100th anniversary. Uh, Looking forward to trying the new FMJs, the Sonic 6.0. Wish you luck with everything you're working on for the coming year. Um, You know, for listeners of the podcast here, uh, Easton's an iconic name. More importantly, they make incredible quality arrows with an incredible history of innovation. Uh, uh, Everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.